I'm Scott Dworkin, and you're listening to The Dworkin Report. This is part two of my interview with Harry Dunn, a courageous Capitol Police officer who is set to testify to Congress tomorrow in the historic first public meeting of the House Select Committee to investigate the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol. In the first half of our discussion, Officer Dunn told us about his background as a football player and how he's almost obtained his master's degree and how, how he wanted to give back to his community by working in the field he'd always dreamed of pursuing, being a cop. We left off just after he told us about the start of what he calls his worst day as a police officer, which he described succinctly as the worst day ever. Harry Dunn told us the kind of details of that day which must live on in our collective history of January 6th forever, which it will be after he testifies to Congress about what you're about to listen to on this podcast right here, right now. This isn't scripted, and we didn't know if he would be honored with the call to testify until late last week. Coincidentally, right around the time that the top Fox News host attacked Harry by name to 3 million viewers, some of whom are hardcore white supremacists taking note of that television host's every word for use in their evil efforts. But it tells you a lot about Harry's humanity, his empathy, and his perseverance in making sure that his fellow officers were okay, fighting through clouds of heinous bear spray chemicals, and racing across the Capitol to make sure his nine-year-old daughter knew that her dad was okay while he was helping fight back the mob. This is beyond politics. This is a chronicle of the attack on our democracy in America, culminating in the first round of direct physical violence against our seat of government. Please take a listen to my interview with Capitol Police Officer Harry Dunn. You've said before the rioters at the Capitol looked like, uh, quote-unquote, possessed zombies. So, Why do you- so specifically what made me make that comment is um, while I didn't uh, suffer much physical trauma, um, the mental anguish and I was pelted with racial slurs, um, called the N-word. Uh, and I, I, I knew that I wasn't going to, they weren't going to, they weren't following commands. We said, why did you tell him to leave? You think that wasn't the first thing we did? Like, come on, man. We we get out. <laughs> what are y'all doing here? So now you try to reason. Like, what else am I supposed to do? There's no playbook for dealing with an insurrection. Like, I, I I've got a lot of training, but I've never been trained on an insurrection. Like, who has across the country? Like, who who really has? Um, I didn't even know that word existed. <laughs> Until afterwards, you know, like, so I try reasoning. You try reasoning with people like, all right, I'm exhausted. I can't, this fight goes on for hours. It's hours and hours and hours and there's no relief. Like you can't like, all right, guys, let me take five. I'll be right back. You know, you got to go to the bathroom. You got to hold it. You don't have time for a bathroom break. You just suck it up. I'm like, all right, let's reason with these guys. So you start talking to these people. And they're saying that uh, Trump invited us here. This is our people's house. This is our house. You know, we belong here. We're here to see the president. Trump told us to come here. Where's Nancy Pelosi? All this stuff. And you're trying to reason with him. And I was like, listen, man, 
y'all are fucking us up. Y'all are fucking us up, man. There are in- dozens and dozens of injured cops, man. And they were like, wait a minute, what? What? Like, they're injured cops. like." And that's why I was like, wow, they're going to have a change of heart. Okay, they're feeling bad about injuring us. Maybe they can, all right, they're going to stop. And then like, they were like, fuck, man. Well, you know what? Like, and then they snapped out of it. Like, sorry, man. Sorry, we, we're, we're, we're here for you all. We're saving the country. We're stopping the steal. Like, so that's what the possessed zombies, it was like, you try to talk to them and they snapped right out of it and they just went back to their insurrection act, like whatever. So, Do you think, uh, you know, do you think it's possible for something like this to ever happen again? Or is this like, this is just the one time and we've kind yes. of... Yes. Yes. And, and I, I, not because of like security or anything like that, because people believe they were right. You know, they look, they thought that they were right, man. And that's what makes, that's what makes them more scary and more dangerous. Like when people are emboldened and empowered by people in power, like, you know, if, if if Joe Biden tells people to go out there or not even Joe, anybody in power says, hey, I want everybody to go outside and do this. Everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people are going to go do it. And if you have people in positions of power that support or don't acknowledge as what happened on January 6th is bad, then absolutely it'll happen again. Absolutely it'll happen again because people don't believe it was wrong. Majority of Americans do. Majority of Americans believe that wrong. And I, I found comfort in that. Um, but man, I, sorry, man, I'm just getting a little, no, I'm, getting, I'm getting angry. I'm getting angry because like, how the, I ain't gonna cuss cause my mom might be listening to this, but how the F can, it, it was, it was on tape. It, you know, it wasn't, you don't need witnesses. Why do you need to call a witness? Just press play. Press play. <laughs> it's unbelievable that, like, we are where we are with this thing, man. Like, <laughs> I don't get it. I, I don't get it. But yes, there's, yes, I do believe that it can happen again. And like I said, not because of security and stuff like that, but because the mindset of people in this country still believe that Trump won the election and it was stolen from him. And you've heard that term though, like uh, one man's terrorist is another man's freedom fighter. January 6th was a domestic terrorist attack. And I guess that's why you have some people saying it was a normal day because one man's terrorist, the people on January 6th is another man's freedom fighter. So, Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. When did you know the day was over as in the fighting? Like, you know, when it, when did you know it was like, it stopped, we've secured the air, like, you know, and you could go home. Like, when so was we didn't that end moment? up going home to around midnight that night, but I know 
that um, at one point, we're just sitting, I'm exhausted. We're just sitting there just like taking it on the chin, all kinds of. 17 hours. That's a 17 hour day. It it was crazy, man. And um, (laughs) when I'm sitting there one time, I was at right off to the rotunda. I was in um, right off of the, in a hallway off the rotunda. And I'm sitting there. One of my coworkers were looking at each other. She's over there and she's watching me just getting berated by these people. And like, I was kind of, in protection mode, like taking the brunt. Hey, y'all come over here. I got it. What's up? Y'all talk to me. Leave her alone. And um, I remember seeing a team of like six or seven people go by in military gear. And then I saw, I think there's the back of their patch said like ATF. And I was like, thank fucking God. These guys are here. We're, help is here. Like everybody asked, like, how did it end? Like, what did y'all do different? We got more help. That's what, that's how it ended. We got help. We didn't, it wasn't some magical grenade that you see in like movies or something like, hey, air support is here. No, that, that's not what happened. We got more help. More officers came. Um, and that's how it, it, that's how we were able to get back control. Um, we fought as hard as we could for as long as we could. And we did the best we could with what we had. And um, I'm really proud of a lot of my coworkers, man. Like, you learned a lot about people that day. Learned a lot about myself, but you learned a lot about people next to you that day. Um, Even people that I know were Trump supporters, right? I remember watching this one guy who's a Trump supporter. I mean, whacking the hell out of these guys, like, that's what I'm saying. This this was bigger than politics. It was an attack on democracy. And that's why I'm glad the people, some people, even Republicans, are able to acknowledge this wasn't right. This wasn't right. And that's why I get so frustrated when people don't acknowledge it as bad because it wasn't about politics, man. It was an attack on democracy. And if the Democrats did that or the left supporters or whatever, or the independent or Antifa, uh, Black Lives Matter, anybody, anybody that does that type of act is wrong. And people always like to say, well, what about the riots this summer? Those were wrong too. Next question. No, I'm not defending it. I want you to stop looking for a divide to say, to justify it. Well, they did it this summer. Okay. Are you using that to justify this? They're using an attack this summer the cities were attacked, the Minnesota and Portland and Seattle, those, the, God bless those police officers. They didn't that deserve what they went through. Not at all. Not one bit. And those riots were wrong. They should not have happened. And the people that did them should be held accountable, period. But don't you dare try to look for an excuse. It's a cop out. Like, well, what about this? What about that? It's kind of like the thing, well, well, if, if he jumps off a bridge, are you going to do it too? Like, that's that's your argument? That's your argument? They're both wrong. Now what? And now they're just stuck. So it just gets frustrating. I'm all, I feel like I'm all over the place talking. No, no, no. You're you've got a flow. Man, here. I'm just rambling now. No, you no, this is what I'm talking about. When when did you this may be again, you don't have to answer, but like uh when when you when did you know that um 
not any of the aggressors, but like uh, any of the police officers, when did you know that that somebody had died? Like when when did you know? So did I, you find out by that name? time? Uh, there were freaking every agency imaginable was in the building at that point. So officers that we had been fighting pretty much all day long um, were able to just sit down and just go somewhere and catch our breath, change our face mask because it's my 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 COVID mask was soaked soaked in orange. It was orange and it was black. It was a black mask. But you could tell it had an orange tint to it because there's so much damn gas on it and you're inhaling all this stuff. So you got a time now to go change your mask, wash your face, uh, get some water because um, you got help in the building. And for the most part, the building is secure. Um, there's so many agencies. Like I went outside afterwards. Like Nish, I ran in the building once I heard that the building had been breached. Um I grabbed a couple of my partners, it was like a group of five or six of us, and I said, hey, guys, we know the building inside. They're calling for, hey, we need help here at this location. We need help here. There's here. They need that. They need that. And all these locations in the building, and more than likely, Metropolitan MPD does not know where these are. We know where these are. MPD can hold this line. We'll go inside and we'll respond inside. So that from that moment on, we were inside the building fighting from inside. So once it was all over, I finally got a chance to go outside and get some cold air. Get some cold air and breathing it in and you looking around and you see police cars, uh, SWAT trucks, um, command vehicles, uh, military Hummers. You look up in the, in the air, there are drones and helicopters like over the Capitol, I'm just like, what the fuck is going on here? So um, finally go back inside. I catch up with some of my friends and we're hugging each other. We're sharing moments and crying and emotions are everywhere. Um, we're learning who went to the hospital. Uh, and at that point, um, I remember I was sitting down in like one of the cafeterias downstairs. They're closed but you could just still just sit in there. And I was just sitting there and I, I was trying to respond to as many text messages as I could for my friends that were worried about me. And they called on the radio that um, Officer Signick had collapsed. Now uh, he was downstairs in our locker, in the break room area. Um, and then announced that they had started like CPR and um, they were trying to revive him. And they called for DC fire. The building's already secure at this time. So they called for the, the ambulance and there's the AED on scene. And um, I'm not 100% sure of the details at the time, but uh, they took him out. And I remember hearing that he's being transported to the hospital. And then like later that night, no, it wasn't that night. Um, Maybe it was the night. I don't remember. I think it was the next day, but it, it was. Well, I know, but I know, but I know, but uh, us officers, we found out before. Oh. People who were there. Got it. Before it was announced or anything like that. Um, and we, it was just like a group text. Everybody just needs to pray. Just pray. This, it's not looking good. Um, How did you feel when you, when you found out that it, it had happened? That I was just in shock. I was stuck. I was stuck. And I was just like replaying memories of. Like I said, we weren't like best friends or nothing like sure, that. Sure. Um, 
we he worked uh I worked seven to three, he worked three to eleven. So a lot of times when I was coming, he was my relief. Um sometimes I got we work overtime and our shifts would overlap. So we had opportunity to work together. Uh, we see each other in the locker room. It was just he's a good dude, man. And um I was just thinking of conversations that we had had or any interaction that we may have just playing it in my head. And I was just like, yo, that's just not real. There's no way he's gone. Like, no way. And um, I didn't think about that he was murdered. I just was mourning his life. Like, he's gone. Um, Nobody tries to put any, like, rationale into stuff when it first happens. It's all emotional reactions. And um, I was just emotional. I was just emotional. Um, his shift, uh, the 3-11 shift, took it really hard. Obviously, they spent a lot more time with him. And he walked through the hallways of where people are and tears, sobbing. And you just try to just hug as many people as you can and just, you don't have words. You just You just hug each other. Um, when just were you, trying to just comfort. You know? When were you able to contact, you know, your family or your mom, you know, to let her know that you were all right? I was able to send a text. I was able to get my phone throughout the day. Actually, I got a pretty cool, cool story uh, about my daughter. When um, so finally, once the building had uh, once we had more help in the building, and I saw a group of officers, majority younger officers than me, um, and I remember looking at all of them. I was like, hey, is everybody all right? Um, hey, guys, everybody, go get your phone right now and text a loved one. Let them know you're okay. I'm sure a lot of people are worried about us. We don't have time to go hold a conversation, but just go send a text and let people know that you're okay. So I was like, wait, I need to do the same thing. So I'm looking for my phone. I was like, where the hell is my phone? And I left it. I left it um, on the east side of the Capitol before I ran all the way over to the west side. And I remember that. So I go back to get my phone and I'm crying and stuff. And like, you know, <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, all right, let me get myself together. So I grab my phone. And as I grab it, my daughter's calling me. So I was like, all right, let me, all right, I don't want to worry her. Let me stop. Like, let me not cry or anything like that. My daughter's nine. She'll be 10, August 30th. And I was like, all right. So I wipe my face, right? Stupid me, because I got pepper spray all over my hands, and I just smear the pepper spray all in my eyes, and I just said, "Oh shit!" I'm like, "All right, all right." So I was like, "Okay, fuck, fuck, fuck." So I was like, "Hello, hey, hey, baby, daddy's fine, daddy's fine. Hey, how are you?" She's like, "Yeah, today in class we did this and we were working about." I was like, "All right, okay." I was like, "Good, baby, good, good, good." Hey, tell your mommy I'm okay. Me and her mother are divorced, but we have a cordial you know, co-parenting relationships. So I'm sure her mother called her. She had, she was clueless as to what was going on. My daughter was. So I'm sure her mother, you know, knows what. So tell your mom, okay, I'll call her a little later. All right, bye. So I hung on the phone and said, oh, shit. <laughs> I just screamed because my eyes were on fire and I wasn't trying to like cry on the phone because my daughter would probably been freaked out. So I right rubbed the pepper spray all in my damn eyes, man. So it was, that was horrible. It was funny. Right. But like, God damn, that was a memorable day. <clears throat> I mean, a memorable experience of that day. So um, I was able to get back and um, 
that I call my, I texted my mom, I'm all right, you know, I'll call you when I can. I don't even remember, I know I talked to her, I don't even remember any conversations that I had with anybody that night uh, via the phone. Uh, so, I mean, I'm, I could have, I could have told somebody I'd give them a hundred dollars and I didn't even remember it, you know, who knows. Um, when did you return to work after that? Uh, 6.30 the next morning. <laughs> Yeah. The next morning. So you get four, later. four mm-hmm. five hours of sleep, maybe. Well, I, I don't know if you ever slept. I, no, like I said, I went home, took a shower. I I poured me a shower of whiskey, <laughs> a glass of whiskey. I had it in the shower with me. I love whiskey, by the way. Bourbon is my thing, man. I love me some good bourbon, man. And uh, I, actually, that day, I remember I poured me a glass of um, E.H. Taylor. Uh, small batch bourbon and uh, I drank it in the shower and um, I laid down and my mind was racing. I ended up falling asleep, but I woke up without an alarm. Um, and I was just, all right, let me just get ready to go in. And I, me and my coworkers, they had to help my supervisor to tell you, I've lately been late as hell to work. Like, <laughs> I'm late. I don't feel like going in. I don't feel like going. So, you I'll get to work on time and I'll just sit in my car and look like, here we go again. You know, here we go. Um, it's kind of like, it's depressing. Um, I don't mind sharing this. Uh, my uh, psychiatrist um, has diagnosed me with like PTSD, um, anxiety, um, and depression disorders, um, which is weird because before all that, man, I've, outgoing life of the party type person. And it's like, I'm like a shell of my former self. Um, I'm trying to get it back. You know, I, I, uh, I take my lunch breaks in my car. Like I sit in my car and I eat my lunch, you know, it's, it's tough, you know, but, um, I'm thankful. Like I said, I got a really good support system. Um, and even, even, even my coworkers, man, like, you know, uh, I feel like I like I may be in uh you got Sergeant Cannell. Um you've had Byron Evans speak out, uh did an interview, um, James Blasting Game. Um it, James actually tagged he's uh James is uh one of the officers who's uh suing Donald Trump. And uh he reached out to me after my first interview aired in February that I did with uh, Good Morning America with Pierre Thomas. And um, after that, the outpouring of love and support was amazing. And so many officers told me their stories that day. And that's why, like, I feel like my story is really is my story. But there's so many stories out there that from that day that people probably will never know. And not because people won't have they don't have the opportunity to tell them. But people, a lot of police officers are proud and they don't want to admit that they went through some hell. They went through some hell. Um, it's okay, though. It's okay to admit that, like, we're human. Police office, officer is a profession. It's not who you are. You know, you're a human being. You're a person. And if you feel normal after January 6th and then I'm worried about you. Like, what the, how the hell are you feeling normal about this? So, you know, 
if yeah. You, if you could talk to if you could talk to Donald Trump just about that day, like what would you say to him? I would avoid that conversation because it would be just rage. It'd be rage. Um, there's nothing you can say. Like people are who they are. You're not going to change. How old is that guy? 80, 50, 70, something, whatever. You're not going to change that person's mind. You're not going to change people's mind. People's minds are already made up. Um, I guess why I'm so like when people say they uh, when people say they're undecided about how the fuck are you undecided? Sorry, mom. Are you undecided like about something that could be so polar opposites? I, how are you undecided? Like, I don't understand. Where are your morals? Where you, but like I said, I'm going off on a tangent again. That's why I got to stick to questions, man, because I just be rambling. What, well, like, uh, but, uh, but what I would say, I would avoid the conversation because like I said, right. you're not going to change that dude's mind. That dude, like I, I have no respect for him as a former president, as a person, as a man, as a human being. I have zero respect for him zero and i wouldn't even entertain that conversation so what what do you hope is accomplished don't worry two more questions then we're done no, you're good. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. but but uh what do you what do you hope is accomplished from the investigations into january 6th because there's a couple different ones there's obviously the fbi and doj but there's also the congressional uh, select committee there's i, I think there's yeah. all ongoing in committees as well multiple committees there's investigations so, as well so, so michael fanone and i we've been really um and uh sandra um we have been very outgoing about seeking a commission to investigate this and they just the senate committee had um the senate released a report at you know, examined all the shortcomings of Capitol Police and how um, things were able to happen and gave recommendations and all this stuff. And that's fine. That's fine. That needs that needs to happen also. But there's there's more to it than that. Um, there's more to it than just like this is kind of it's kind of like I'll draw this analogy. It's kind of like a hitman. Right. Somebody hires a hitman to kill somebody. Right. And the hitman gets arrested. But the hirer goes free. Like, no, everybody's got, everybody got to go to jail. Everybody's responsible. Anybody who, and you know what? And I've heard people on the right, I guess the right, I've heard people say, I don't give a damn what side it is. I've heard people say, well, Nancy Pelosi's in charge of capital security. Okay. Okay. Let's just say that's true. If she's responsible, then she needs to be held accountable. Anybody left, right, middle, I don't care who you are. If you had any part of January 6th taking place, any hand in it, molding it, shaping it, swinging a flag, breaking a window, any telling people where to go, any part of it, you need to be held accountable, period. I don't care if that's a Democrat, a Republican, a woman, a man, a child. I don't care. They changed our lives and they attacked democracy. It was a terrorist attack, man. And, and, and that ain't my word. I, I, I believe Christopher Ray, I think, said that. He categorized it as a domestic terrorist attack. That's what the hell it was. And it's not acceptable, no matter who you are. So everybody, Americans or not, should be wanting to get to the bottom of it. Excuse me, Democrat 
Republican or not. It doesn't matter, not American or not. America was under attack that day. America was. America was under democracy. That's what makes America, America. It's democracy. It was threatened that day. Do you think you people got pissed off about the way an election went? <laughs> now who's the snowflake? Do you think you'll uh, get told to testify in front of the select committee? I uh, I welcome that opportunity. Okay. I welcome that opportunity. I know you can't speak further than that. Um, I, yeah, here's, I welcome that opportunity. Here's a big question for you. China. This is a question I don't think you've been asked before, but I'm not sure. Uh, right, let's uh, go. You think you'll ever run for office? It's crazy. Nobody has ever asked me that uh, uh, on an interview, I guess. Sure. Um, yeah. Why not? You made you for know? it. I mean, I've worked for over a hundred candidates. Why not? You know, and- like I, it's not just a simple like. People need to be in do stuff for the right reasons. I guess people need to do things for the right reason, and not just like I want to make a difference. I want to make a difference, and I want to give a voice to people that don't have voices. Um, so what better way to do it than that? Sure. Um, yeah, I would do it. I would do it. And maybe that's just a knee jerk reaction right now. Maybe you ask me a month from a year from now, maybe, and nah, this ain't for me, or maybe I could do something else or I just want to help. You know, I do like the idea of Congressman Dunn though. Like that sounds good. <laughs> I agree with I, that. It's funny because, uh, Jamie Rask is my Congressman and, uh, he's been, uh, he's been amazing and I've learned so much about him and, we what love a him. very, very smart man he is. And, uh, yeah, he's been on this show. He's that I know, smart. and I was thinking to myself, like, wait a minute, so I got to live up to likes of that? But there are other congressmen, elected officials, congresswomen, that I, I, they could do it. Of course I can do it. I understand <laughs> that. Say that. I don't know, but yeah, whatever, man. But yes, I've, I've considered it, and... um. Anything iffy, I cut out anyways. Uh, gotcha, what gotcha, are yeah. some, so like for uh, for parting words or whatnot, I, I like to do this sometimes uh, and, you know, you can take a moment to think about it, but um, just, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of shit. There's a lot of, sorry, crap going on right now. Um, what are some words of hope that you might want to share with the world? Like, is there... Because I see it in you. There's this like light shining from you of of something that that that's around that's the corner. That's just my bald head, man. I, it's just shaking, <laughs> bro. <I> just, <laughs> no, 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 no. Let me stop. I appreciate it, man. I'm, no, no. Nah, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Thanks, man. <laughs> so, what is what is like a what would you say to someone who's in despair right now? Who saw January sixth? Who saw you know everything that's been going on in the assault and the democracy, the constant kind of attacks and whatnot. What would one you say? That, one thing I, I I have said, um people feel so bad for the police and what we went through. Thank you. Thank you for that. We appreciate all of that support. And I feel it. I feel that support. I also feel the non support too. Um I feel that too. Uh I think it's human nature though. Like everybody focuses on the negative. Like I recently started being active on Twitter. I've had it just to like read stuff, but I just recently started being active on it. And you 
get 10,000 hearts and retweets and all this stuff and likes. And then you get like one negative comment, one, one that has no likes, no retweets and a hundred comments of people calling that guy an asshole. But that one comment just bothers you. But the other 10,000, hey, we love you. We love you. We love you. You bypass all those and you look for the negative. And I feel like we sabotage ourselves. So I'm working on that. So there I go going off of tangents again or whatever. But my message, I guess, like to people, look at me giving a freaking message to people. Who who the hell do I think I am? Man? That's pretty cool. Um, eat your officer vegetables, done. All right. Eat your vegetables. That's <laughs> no, um, no, uh, really. Um, January 6th was an attack on every American. So if you feel bad about it, like, like, <laughs> I got to say this, man, like people were criticizing AOC and how she felt about January 6th, that she was traumatic. It was a traumatic experience for her. And the people were saying, you were building away. Okay. People were watching it countries and states away and they still felt frightened. And let's keep it real. It ain't like people are nice to AOC. It's not like people are nice to her. So if people are storming the Capitol, if somebody, if you're, a, and I, I enjoy her. I think she's an amazing person. And I think that if people, you know that people hate you and they already are storming the Capitol and you're watching this happen, then of course they're coming for you. So she has every right to feel the way that she does. And anybody who else, who downplays somebody else's trauma is an asshole. How dare you downplay somebody else's trauma, the way they respond, the way they react, you know, the way they feel. Don't tell somebody their feelings are wrong. People's perceptions and their perspective of life is not everybody's not the same. You know, I'm not going to get sad if somebody named Steve's great great grandfather died in Alabama. Like I don't I don't know him. Sorry. But like, hey, what's up? What we have for dinner? But meanwhile, Steve's life is torn all upside down. So no, I'm not, but I'm not going to tell Steve, hey, yo, get on, you're fine. No, everybody affects everything different. And I, I feel really, I felt really bad for her that people were attacking her and the way that she responded. Like at, January 6th was an attack on every American, whether, whether you like it or not. It was an attack on every American because it threatened our democracy. What if what if that did happen? Like, you know, if everybody says, you know, it wasn't that bad. What what if January 6th, what if they succeeded? You know, Michael Fanon, I got to I got to give Mike credit for this, this quote. But he said, you know what? I guess we were too damn good at our jobs that day. We were too damn good at our jobs that day because nobody got hurt. What if somebody did get hurt? What if they got to Mike Pence? What if they got to him? Who knows? Then what? Would they have just given him a hug? Would they have just slapped him around? Would they cut off a face? Like what, what, what would have happened? They had a freaking gallows on the West Front. <laughs> uh, my, I, it was a prop. It probably was styrofoam. It probably wasn't even real, you know? <laughs> Megan Kelly, that thing was definitely Photoshopped. That was not a real gallows there, all right, you know? But whatever, man. Like, Every American was threatened that day. And if you're feeling bad about January 6th, good, good. You should. 
We should. But I encourage people to seek help. Therapists talk about it. Mental health, it's a real thing, man. It's a real thing. We're strong people. We're strong humans. Your mind is stronger than you. It's stronger than your will. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Maybe I said that wrong. No, 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 no. The sentiment is there. No, it makes sense. The sentiment is there. I, I encourage people to just to seek help, you know? It's, it's, it's okay that you're feeling bad. It's okay. Yeah, big guy like you, it's important to, to spread mental health awareness uh, uh, because people, you know, there's the tough guys, G-U-I-S-E, and that is, uh, predominantly uh, is in uh, people of color. It's a sociological study or whatever uh, um, that has to do like a tough front or whatever. Um, so it's really helpful, I think, to a lot of people when you're able to stand out there as a as a dude that's just, you know, big, you know, football player. I think it's really helpful to people. Um, yeah. where, where can people follow you on Twitter? I'm on, uh, <laughs> I get to tell my Twitter hand. That's kind yeah, of what's your, yeah, what's your uh, Twitter it's, hand? Uh, a Libra, Libra Dunn, I guess that's the, the at, I guess. I, I'm new to this Twitter thing. But uh, just Harry A. Dunn on there. Libra Dunn, at Libra. I'm a Libra, September 25th. Um, Same here. 25th. Libra Dunn, D-U-N-N. <laughs> Make sure to follow this man, and we will have him on again. I'm sure of it. Welcome, uh, man. And I'll tell you what. Like I, I, I keep on saying, I'll tell you what. I'm going to end this thing one day. Like I'm going to end this one day. But uh, my my therapist and I we talked about that. Um, just me being able to talk about this as uh, it's been like a coping mechanism for me, and it's it's helping me. Um, because I keep talking about it, and I never want to forget it. You know, but I also want to learn from it and I want people to learn from it. You know, I believe in good in people. Not all people, <laughs> most people. <laughs> I can say that you um, represent the best of America. And, and uh, as a person who you helped uh, uh, keep safe for your entire tenure uh, at the Capitol, my, myself included, um, I, I thank you for that. And that's not, um, an empty, I'm going to show it by, uh, showing up and making sure that continuously that, um, the, the truth is out there and not in a conspiratorial way, but in a way where the facts are presented and wherever they lead, um, we hold those people, uh, uh legally accountable, um, to that. And, and uh, just so much respect for you coming out and talking about it because without, um, folks like you without officers from that day coming out and talking about it, um, the, the story will get muddy. The story will get uh, forged and they will uh, whitewash it or make it a different kind of story. And so we can't, we can't afford that, especially with January 6th. And, and so um, you're doing a, a service for your country, you're a true patriot, and it's an honor to, to be able to interview today. And I really appreciate you taking so much time out of your day. Thank you, man. And you know what? I got to give like, <laughs> thanks and maybe that's just me i have a hard time accepting i do thank you um but i uh i gotta give credit where credit is due too you are uh, you're unrelenting with your um your reporting your your desire to call out corruption and wrongness wrongdoing so keep it up man i i appreciate you to subscribe to our podcast you can go to anchor.fm slash dworkin report Thanks again to Capitol Police Officer Harry Dunn. Thanks to the best producer in the world, 
Mr. Grant Stern. You can follow him at Grant Stern. You can visit our website at DworkinReport.com. Lots of episodes to listen to there. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>